Jesus, our good shepherd, that you would make yourself known in the preaching of your word. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. To say that Jesus had a busy ministry is an understatement. In just a few verses in Matthew's gospel this morning, we have a succinct statement of observation of the ministry of Jesus Christ. Some of the great marks of his ministry are delineated here, that of teaching, the proclamation of the gospel, and healing, and his itinerancy. But more than that, we also find the why of Jesus' ministry. What is driving him to do the things that he's doing? And we see it in verse 36. For when Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion for them, because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. This morning I want to spend some time talking about the why of Jesus and his ministry and how that begins to manifest itself in the response to that compassion, which is the sending out of the laborers into the Lord's harvest. Jesus describes the crowds that would surround him on his ministry as harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. And even though this was 2,000 years ago, harassed and helpless are two adjectives that fit the condition of humanity even today. In a world where the sky is seemingly the limit, and if you're Richard Branson and have enough money on Virgin, you can get beyond even that, we still find ourselves striving in vain. We can't quite make the mark of what we're striving to, and sometimes we even forget what we're working toward. We're just caught up in the rat race. And no matter how hard we try, we just can't seem to find fulfillment. Instead of things that used to serve people, we find ourselves now slaves to the means. Our priorities are completely out of whack. And funny enough, I found that in spite of all this activity, it's increasingly marked by passivity. Uh, There are fewer and fewer activities in which we find ourselves engaging. Instead of playing sports, we watch others play them. Uh, Instead of filling our time with activities birthed out of our own initiative and imagination, we find ourselves aimlessly surfing the web on our phones or binge-watching a television show. It's amazing to me, after you binge-watch a show, you think, that was amazing, but I don't remember anything that happened. And just last week, I was reading that autonomous cars, vehicles that drive themselves, will be on the roadways in France this time next year. Will there be anything left for us to do? And yet, all of us, are worn out with busyness. Uh, It's amazing the number of people that I run into that are just exhausted. I mean, aren't you tired? And you try to think of why is it that I'm tired and you look at what you're up to on a day-to-day basis and it shouldn't add up to the exhaustion. And it feels like if you were to actually look at the fruit of your labor, the tree is sparse. And so I even ask myself, am I satisfied in my life? 
in my job, in my family, in my marriage, in my friendships? Am I satisfied or are you satisfied? Now, all of those things are a great blessing from the Lord, but they're not the Lord. In fact, when they take the position of lordship in our lives, they become brutal taskmasters. And there comes a point in all of our lives, Christian or not, where we find the utter bankruptcy to what the world is offering us. The people of Jesus' day were no different. The crowds formed around Jesus because they were desperate. Desperate for answers. Desperate for fulfillment. Desperate for a savior. Desperate for someone to come and save them from themselves. Save me from my busyness. And so, that is just what Jesus does. He comes to live for us and to die for us and to be raised for us. And it is in that that we have been made children of God. In the person and work of Jesus Christ, we find salvation, and in him we find what it means to be truly human. Or to use the image that Jesus gives us this morning, we feel our sheepness. And how I long to just live into the reality of being a sheep because I am an obstinate sheep. Uh, just to be willing and submit to grazing in green pastures and to live under his protection and his authority and his lordship and his kindness and mercy and to dwell there all the days of my life. But instead, I find myself trying to justify myself to others and uh, my own existence. I don't listen to the prayer of St. Francis, which is so wonderful that I seek to not be misunderstood. Rather, I should be seeking to understand. I worry so much about what other people think that I forget just how helpless and harassed I am. Now, very few of us this morning have had a physical encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ. That is, we've not been like these crowds that, that gathered around him, that heard his voice, that saw him bodily but we have encountered him spiritually, but we've not touched him. In response to this, and I think knowing that, that we would know him as our good shepherd, he understands that we're not going to see him. He understands that we're not going to hear him. So what does he do in response to his compassion? The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. And if you've encountered the Lord Jesus, especially when you first came to faith in him, more often than not, you encounter him through the ministry of a laborer who has been sent into the harvest. That is what God does is in, in his compassion. That as the fields are ripe, he sends those into his harvest to do that work. I often think of the person that I can remember first telling me about who Jesus Christ was. And of his great love for me, it was my maternal grandfather's sister, my Aunt Mary. 
And she didn't try to walk me through 50 Bible verses that were aimed at me like a pistol, but she just simply sat me down when I was about five years old and asked me, do you know the Lord Jesus? And she poured out the gospel in terms that for the first time I could ever understand. And even at five years old, as I look back on that moment that I can see in my mind's eye, you know, five years, that's not a lot of time to get enough sinning done to need saving. And yet I look back on that. And even at five years old, I see my sheepness. I see my helplessness. I see the harassment. And some of you are there this morning when you look back and you realize your sheepness, but even now as sheep or those who have not yet been found, the innumerable times you tried to come home but you didn't even know the way. And just when your heart would be crushed by despair, you hear a voice. Someone is calling your name. And then cresting the hill is the silhouette of the one who calls you by name. He sees you harassed and helpless and he takes you into his arms and takes you home. You may not have even known that you were lost, but there he is and you realize just the shape you're in. But maybe you're painfully aware of your lostness. Maybe you're the sheep caught in the bramble. You are kept in bondage, maybe by a web of lies that you've sown in your life. You don't know how to get yourself out and the struggle is in vain. You don't feel that anyone really knows who you are and you're beginning to wonder if you even know yourself. But there is one who knows you, knows you as you are and where you are and seeks to extricate you from the bramble of sin. And so this morning, look to him. Look to this good shepherd who seeks to rescue liars and cheats and sinners. Many of you know the story of Eric Little, the great Olympic athlete that was profiled in the bio biographical movie Chariots of Fire, and Eric Little, being a devout Christian, refused to run his event, the 100 meters, on Sunday because that was the Lord's Day, and he felt that he needed to honor the Lord for that, and he was ridiculed. This is, in 19, this is the 1924 uh, Olympics, and he was ridiculed, even in 1924, even by the people of Scotland who were notoriously uptight in 1924. And they ridiculed him and said, but, but you need to run this race. And he said, no, I won't run the race. And at the last minute, he switched to the 400 meter, an event that he hadn't really trained for at all. And of course, Eric Little would win the gold in the 400 meter and bring great glory uh, to the United Kingdom, especially Scotland. And it was not that far after the 1924 games that Eric Little decided to lay down his successful running career, really at the height of his career, and follow in his parents' footsteps as a missionary to China for the China Inland Mission. And when he announced it, they poured ridicule upon him again. Why would you lay down fame, and not just fame for yourself, but fame for your home country, Scotland, in order 
to go be a missionary in China. But in his own words, yes, he ran for God's glory. But he was made for China. But even in the midst of the great criticisms mounted upon him, a large crowd gathered at the platform of Waverley Station in Edinburgh to see Little off. And they asked him to give a speech, but being a shy man, he declined. Instead, he began to sing, Jesus shall reign where'er the sun doth his successive journeys run. His kingdom stretch from shore to shore till moons shall wax and wane no more. And off he went to China, where 20 years later he would die in a Japanese internment camp. And his final words to a friend were, it is complete surrender. That's what happens when laborers are sent into the vineyard. And when I look back on my Aunt Mary, who told me the gospel, I think fondly of her. But I absolutely bask in Jesus. And even at the end of Eric Little's life, he realized it wasn't about him, for his life was complete surrender. Why did Aunt Mary tell me? Why did Eric Little go? because they understood that there's not one part of this earth that does not belong to the Lord Jesus Christ. There is no place so remote that God can't find his children. And so God gets the glory in their lives. This morning, we're no different than the crowds of Jesus. We are all harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Do you feel it this morning? The feeling of exhaustion in the midst of busyness that produces no fruit? Then look to Jesus, the Good Shepherd, who stands ready to save you, and pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. For the work has been done in Jesus Christ, it is finished. Now all need be done is for us to harvest that which God has wrought. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the Aunt Marys and the Eric Littles of our lives, those that we have in our mind's eye even now who went into the vineyard and told us of Jesus' saving love. And for those even now this morning in this very service who have been found by you, whether they knew their lostness when you showed up or whether they know it all too well as they're stuck in the bramble. And so, Lord, prone to wander, Lord, we feel it, prone to leave the God we love. And so stay near us, Lord Jesus. Don't let us stray. That all the days of our lives would be spent in your presence by the power of your Holy Spirit. That not only would we feel our need of you, but that we would feel your presence in our lives as we are harassed and helpless. And let us never forget your boundless compassion for lost sheep. Amen.